Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Are factions good? This is the quintessential question facing us in Federalist Paper number 10, and we dive into it in the Federalist Paper study guide. Oh, and of course, it's Friday, so I've got my best and worst takes of the week for you. I'm Andrew Coppins, and you're tuned in to Critical Thinking. That's right. It is Friday. We have reached the end of the week. Do not forget, you can follow me on social media. I am at The Coppins Show on X. You can find me on Facebook as well. Uh, really the most active on the the social media platform of X, right? So um, if you are there, please follow me. Otherwise, make sure, you know, reach out on the Facebook page or, or do whatever or let me know where you are and where you want me to be. That all having been said, of course, you can watch the show on X, on Rumble, rumble.com backslash critical thinking, rumble.com backslash critical thinking. And, of course, you can always make sure to listen to the show via your favorite podcasting platform of choice. I love Apple Podcasts. I think it's the most simple, easiest to use platform out there. But thank you to each and every single one of you who interact with the show, who engage in the show, who listen to the show. I really greatly appreciate and I'm humbled by the amount of people who actually want to listen to my ramblings every single day. That having been said, it is the end of the week, so it is time for us to get to the best and worst takes of the week. And let's start with our worst takes, because that's what we always want to do here. Um, let's start with this. Um, Rich Eisen on guns. The sports Corona bro, Rich Eisen. Nine children, nine children who went to a parade to celebrate their Super Bowl team. Nine children now being treated for gunshot wounds at Children's Mercy. When are we going to collectively realize there's a gun problem in our country and do something sensible for our kids? Now, I kind of sort of talked about this yesterday a little bit on the program because I'm sick and tired of <coughs> these people who literally know nothing most of the time about sports, they're just entertainers who happen to have a sports bent to them. Or there happen to be news people who got in to the world of sports reporting because it was something that could make them money. They don't really know the game. They never played the game. They're never interested in the game. Now, that's not to say that Rich Eisen isn't a good human being or a good person. I just vehemently disagree with this. And why? Well, Rich... Um, it has been 24, count them, 24 hours since we got the news out of Kansas City from the police and the DA and all the people involved there that it was not one but two fellow children who engaged in that violence, all because they were a bunch of thugs at the bare minimum, likely gang members in reality who decided to settle some sort of dispute or argument or whatever was going on by pulling guns on each other 
damn the group that they were around, the people they were around? How do you solve for that? How do you solve for, well, if you take the guns away, okay, um, the number of people who have been beaten to death by gang members, the number of people who have been stabbed by gang members, the number of people who have had major bodily injuries, near-death experiences, and thank God, by the way, those nine kids, all of them looking like they're going to survive, according to At Children's Mercy. That's great news. That's positive news. But it's the knee-jerk nature of the Rich Eisens, the ESPN crowd who spat off immediately in the aftermath of this. And then we watch... Rich Eisen promote uh, one of the people that was on the NFL Network's coverage. Uh, promote, oh my God, the, the Kansas City Chiefs were drunk uh, on on the stage. And can you imagine what would have happened with these terrorists? Do you even bother to pay attention to the news at all? It turns out it wasn't a bunch of terrorists. Still, the individual who tackled one of those two perpetrators brought them to the ground, and hopefully justice will come their way. That person is still a hero despite these people being absolute thugs and morons because he chose fight over flight. He chose to act instead of just be passive and take the phone out and, and videotape the scenes around him like everybody else seems to want to do. Because that can be social media famous. That can go viral. We have to rewire our brains as a society. And it starts with idiotic takes like this. When is this going to stop? Turns out fellow children didn't care about fellow children's lives. Or the 600 police officers. All they cared about was settling some sort of beef. In the streets, y'all. The code of the streets. How are you going to solve for that? How? I, again, this type of take, would it change? And I guess this is the question for myself too, as we critically think through all of this. Would this, would this take change if it were two adults that engaged in this? No, because it's dumbassery. And how do you solve for dumbassery? Taking away the weapon doesn't solve the problem. It just moves it in a different direction. Oh, so, Rich, it would have been okay if they would have pulled knives on each other, West Side Story style. Or or would that be the answer, right? Um, instead of that, we're going to do what West Side Story did, and we're going to dance off it. Except for that's not what was going on, right? So... It's an acceptable level of thuggery and violence if they maybe just stab each other or or go at it like that. And, well, what if they stab somebody that's standing behind them or next to them or trying to break the fight up? Turns out you're actually not solving the problem. You're just projecting. And I'm sick and tired of it. I'm absolutely sick and tired of it because here here's the reality. As we look at the Federalist Papers, my liberty, right? Your liberty, everybody's liberty is the thing we have to protect. 
And yes, there are going to be unfortunate and unforeseen or foreseen consequences of that. People will abuse their liberty. But the moment that you stop and rob somebody else's ability to exercise their liberty is the moment that we all are in deep trouble. All of us. I don't know that there is an answer other than dealing with core issues, issues of respecting life, issues in which these people would never fathom to think to solve some sort of perceived dispute or territorial thing or whatever the hell it actually was with this level of violence. It's down to the inability to have empathy and the inability to respect life, their lives or other people's lives. And until we deal with that level and that reality, was anything different about the 1950s? Did people still had access to guns. The inner cities were still pretty violent, right? Urban circles had lots of actual violence. It was a pretty rough time. The 1960s, inner city violence. The gangs that formed in the 1970s escalating into turf and drug-fueled violence of the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. We could go on and on. The common denominator isn't a gun. It's a lack of humanity. It's a lack of understanding or valuing their own lives. That's the common denominator. But there's still more because, believe it or not, that's actually the third worst take this week. I'm going to give you the second worst take, and this comes from Fonnie Willis, the Atlanta or the Fulton County District Attorney in Atlanta, who did herself, did herself absolutely no favors yesterday on the stand, along with her boo, Nathan Wade, on the stand. It was the most disastrous thing I have ever seen, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But I want to bring you back to her moral preening, to her advocacy of her own campaign and the alleged corruption within the Fulton County District Attorney's Office prior to her coming into the fold. She is going to be your superwoman in the cape coming in to save Fulton County because they deserve a DA that won't have sex with his employees, because they deserve a DA that won't put money in their own pocket when it should go to benefit children, because we deserve better. Um, now let's go ahead and, I don't know, fast forward to yesterday. Whole life, when I took out a large amount of money on my first campaign, I kept some of the cash of that. Like, to tell you, I just have cash in my house. I don't have as much today. Now, you might be saying, wait a second. Um, did she just say she took cash out of her own campaign for personal use? But then didn't, didn't she just also tell us that uh, you shouldn't be sleeping with coworkers and you shouldn't be using public funds for private good? 
Um, did she? Didn't she? Hang on a second. Let Let's run that one back, okay? Whole life when I took out a large amount of money on my first campaign, I kept some of the cash of that. Like to tell you, I just have cash in my house. I don't have as much today because they deserve a DA that won't have sex with his employees because they deserve a DA that won't put money in their own pocket when it should go to benefit children because we deserve better. Putting money in your own pocket because you deserve better. While she literally pocketed your money and, and just to settle a quick dispute and question that you might actually also be having, um, Let's just say this. Um, wait a second. Is taking a loan from your own campaign and cashing it out against the law? Isn't that a felony? Um, the FEC, just so you're aware, as I Googled this, can you take cash out of your political campaign account? <clears throat> the FEC, the first thing you see, using campaign funds for personal use is prohibited. She... This is how disastrous yesterday was for Fonnie Willis. She she was so hell-bent on trying to be this um, holier-than-thou and how dare you... That's her presentation, right? How dare you attack me for having a relationship with a, as she put it, a... Um, not a co-worker, not a subordinate. She used the an a word a oh what was it now that it's not coming to my head um but anyway oh a contractor that's how she described nathan wade folks i'm just gonna say this sleeping with a contractor or a co-worker in fact sleeping with a contractor that you are paying money to, to complete public good, allegedly, is even worse than sleeping with a co-worker or a subordinate. And furthermore, okay, let's say it's a contractor. Is that contractor not a subordinate of you? Because you are literally paying them to do something you are asking them to do for you. I'm just asking. So that's how disastrous things got for Fonnie Willis, who decided to get up uh, on her high horse. And how dare you pry into my personal sex life and personal life and personal this and, and lie, 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 to the point where literally the judge had to say, no, we're taking a five-minute recess. You're being ridiculous. Um, she was literally being an adversary on the stand. Wow. Just, it was incredible theater to watch. Now, at the end of the day, the only thing that's going to matter here is what happens with this. And we'll get into it in a moment because it is part of the best takes of the week. But the last two worst takes are from Fonnie Willis, right? Huh. They deserve somebody who won't sleep with their coworkers or won't use... <laughs> Oh, just what? Just 
What the absolute hell was that? Now, on the flip side of this are going to be the best takes of the week, folks. That's right. We have the best takes coming your way. And up first with the best takes this week is going to be the flip side of the whole Fonnie Willis situation coming from MSNBC. This is how disastrous of a day it was for Fonnie Willis, for Nathan Wade, for this concept that they can handle or should be anywhere near the Trump prosecution in Fulton County. Yeah, this this has been a bombshell and it was a slow a sort of a slow burn. But um, if you if you parse the language, huge, huge issues here. And I want to be really clear. This is not about a relationship between two consenting adults. This has nothing to do with that. It's about lying to the court. It's about potential financial gain on the part of Fannie Willis. And not, not even so much. That That's a second that takes the back seat here. The issue is that her credibility is shot. Um, just as Anthony was saying, if she lied to the court, she submitted something to the court that she knew was false and inaccurate, what else was she lying about? It's a horrible, horrible look for her. I think this case is dead in the water. And that's where I want to go with this because as we've played this out, it there's a reason why they went after Fonnie Willis and Nathan Wade's relationship. It really has nothing to do with their infidelity it has to do with what they told the court about their relationship it has to do with their credibility if msnbc is saying this i want you to think about that the people who circle the wagons the most for everything leftist when it comes to media is saying this out loud your gray goose to use a reference from her own testimony, that's how bad this got. Um, her gray goose is cooked when it comes to this. Furthermore, to her point, this prosecution is doomed. And why? Because what the implication is, is the court, what they are attempting to do is show the court that, hey, they're lying about this. What else are they going to be lying about, right? And if the court doesn't trust it, the court says, no, you're removed from the case, and no, both of you are removed from the case. What ends up happening is it goes back to, oh, wait, it doesn't go back because she would then be removed as the district attorney, and then you got to find a new district attorney who then has to reset and retake a look at all of the uh, all of the counts, all of the charging documents, all of the things that are going on with Donald Trump in Fulton County, the multitude of things that are happening here, and how quickly is that going to happen? Even if there's another leftist to step up to the plate, right? Even if they've got a bench, it's still going to take time. And then you have to resubmit, and you have to refile, and you have to, you have to go through all the machinations because the case would be dismissed at that point. That doesn't mean that they don't get to retry the case, by the way, because it's not about anything else, but it's not about um, double jeopardy at that point. It was a procedural dismissal. So that all having been said, where does that leave the timeline for this? It's likely that they would leave this timeline well past the election, and then what? Because we're almost into March. 
it is likely that this decision comes down later this month, right? I mean, we, we've watched Nathan Wade and Fonnie Willis when you talk about cash and why that, that was all there. We watched them on the stand attempt to tell the judge and the American people who are watching this thing unfold that he paid with his business credit card for trips to Belize, multiple places in the Caribbean or the Caribbean, um, a, a trip to Napa and paid for this and paid for that on his business credit card and then was just simply handed cash. Now, that, that could be true. That very well could be true. But the heart of the matter that the Trump group was attempting to get at is, okay, so then prove to us where the cash came from. And then that's where we got the whole funny Willis. I don't know where the cash came from because I took large sums of money from here and put them on in my mattress. And then this, and then this, and then this, I couldn't tell you the source. There's no receipt of that actually happening. Nathan Wade attempting to try to get around their conflict of interest by stating that his marriage had been dissolved in 2015 in his own mind. Except for that's not the way that the legal system works. He is attempting to jump over the hurdle of, well, then why the hell is this not a relationship that you disclosed? Well, because I thought I wasn't married. Well, you think? That's not exactly how this works because your disclosure forms say... During your marriage or separation prior to your actual filing of divorce, which was May 31st or May 30th or whatever it was of 2023, you finally did it. You misrepresented yourself to the court and you're attempting to say, well, my mind told me I wasn't married anymore. Um, I just, I don't know where that cash came from. I I don't have any proof that she handed me this cash. I don't have a Venmo. I don't have a a picture of her handing me the cash. I've got nothing. That doesn't work in the court of law, like, at all. Uh, I've paid cash. Prove it. Right? It's kind of like when you serve somebody with a, an eviction as a landlord or some of those things. You can't just slide it under the door and never deal with it and just assume. There can be ways in which you slide it under the door. Like, for instance, take a video that shows you at the unit sliding it under the door with the unit number and emailing and calling and having these conversations in regards to said thing. Cool, you've got proof that they received it. They know that that eviction notice. That's what's required under the court of law, by the way. You cannot just slide it under the door, walk away, and because that person can easily say, I never got it. What proof of receipt do you actually have? Now, it comes in those other forms, like I said, but that's the point here. That's all insane. This is how insane all of this got. And I'm going to show you exactly how insane it got in a little bit in one of the funniest moments because there was a moment in which Nathan Wade had to pause for about 10 to 15 seconds to think about where he had been or not been with Fonnie Willis over the last, allegedly, since 2019. 
they they dispute that, but yet one of her own friends, her good friend, went into the court of law and said, yeah, dude, we all knew that they were uh, sleeping together since 2019, since they basically met. Just how insane was all of this and just how unraveled and bam, and just out of sorts was Fonnie Willis throughout this entire situation. So much so that she literally wore a dress backwards. I'm not kidding you because there's literally proof of the dress that she was wearing and how it was supposed to be worn where you can see her on the stand with the, with this, right? With the little zipper in the front and yet in the pictures for how you wear it, when you buy it, it's in the back. What you doing, Fonny? That you're, you're that out of sorts that you can't even wear your clothes straight? Not one to dissect anybody's dress habits other than to say, hold up, wait a minute. You couldn't even appear in court to be put together? That's why... One of the greatest things that I was ever told is if you ever have to go to court, whether that is a summons for a ticket or whatever else have you, do not wear jeans, do not wear a t-shirt, do not wear, put a bolo on. Look put together. Look like you know what you're talking about. Look like you actually care. It actually does help. But all of that notwithstanding, we got to get moving forward because number two on this list is a local thing for me. Um, And I'm just going to say this. Here in Chicago, what you need to know for background information is we had this service called ShotSpotter. Sometimes it's working, sometimes it doesn't. And it's meant to be a technology that um, in high crime areas that you can put in to recognize when shots are ringing out to hopefully help you increase your ability to deal with the situation, to catch criminals, to deal with murderers on your streets, right? There's been a whole hellabaloo over the last 72 hours about what's going on with um, crime in our city, ShotSpotter, and the contract and everything else in between. It has gotten so bad for Mayor Brandon Johnson that the Chicago Tribune doesn't trust Mayor Johnson. This is their actual headline from X, from the editorial board. It's been nine months since Brandon Johnson became mayor of Chicago. It only seems far longer. Our biggest concern, only growing, is the is the managerial incompetence of this administration. The latest example is Shot Spotter. Just how bad is the incompetence of Brandon Johnson and his administration. And by the way, who could have seen this coming, I don't know, from any point in his history when he was a totally incompetent teacher, a totally incompetent teacher to the point where he had to remove himself from the classroom and get himself a job inside the teacher's union and then showed his ass as a manager inside that organization. But folks, watch Mayor Johnson in his response to the criticism of, hold up, wait a minute. Are you saying ShotSpotter is going away? Then what's your plan? 
Good afternoon, Mayor. I'll Good be quick. Um, first question, if the city isn't considering a gunshot detection alternative to ShotSpotter, then what should replace it? Um, will it still be a form of surveillance technology? Well, and thank you for that question. As I've said, the violence that we experience in Chicago is horrific. And though shootings are down, homicides are down, there's still a lot of work to be done. My plan and my vision for the city of Chicago is comprehensive. It's going to take more than what has been done to get to the results that I'm committed to, to, to see come to fruition. And so investing in people is our best pathway forward. Now, you know, are there other technological advances, you know, that I may not be aware of that provide a non-police response to respond to emergency because 40% of the calls that come through are, are mental health crises. There could be some forms of technology that can give us a response so that EMT can show up and mental health crisis providers can show up. I'm not aware of any. You know, but again, the approach here is, is to build a comprehensive approach. And that's what we've done. And so I, I don't want us to, to fall into the trap and the behavior of, of, of old where we only look at policing as the only form to build a better, stronger, safer Chicago. Um, and on the subject, oh, sorry. <laughs> no. uh, what kind of word salad garbage was that, right? First and foremost, what kind of word salad garbage was that? I, I just Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Thank you to we must elect a black person from the south side and the west side. Um, after you guys all voted for Paul Vallis first in the first time. Well, some of you voted for um, the incompetent Beetlejuice, Lori Lightfoot. Uh, uh, <laughs> Brandon Johnson was your third choice. Okay. Okay. This is this is on you. This is your communities that are the most greatly affected by this, by the way. Your neighborhoods, I should say, not communities, but your neighborhoods that are most greatly affected. Now, my neighborhood's affected by it. I mean, I've literally watched people, not personally watched, but I, I, I know of people in our building who have personally watched. A block and a half down, people just get mugged in broad daylight. That, that that used to not happen on a very frequent or even infrequent basis, and it's happening quite frequently lately. So, right, mugging right outside of a park, broad daylight on a busy Chicago street. Well, those things were pretty infrequent about four or five years ago. Nowadays, man, yeah, keep her moving. 
but but comprehensive. Uh, and maybe technology can be part of it, but but we're totally not going to do ShotSpotter, even though um, there was a known agreement, a $70 million agreement that the state knew about, that you knew about, and then reneged on, allegedly. It is so bad that the Chicago Tribune is going after you. You done bleeped up. Okay, but with all of that having been said, I want to get to the absolute best take and best thing that I have seen all week, and I played this for you yesterday. But this is the response um, to the challenge of do better than he gets us. And I don't know if you could do better than this response. Don't ask me what you know is true. Don't have to tell you. never get sick of that message period point blank and i talked about it yesterday so go to yesterday's show um to see what i believe is so brilliant about that ad if you can't figure it out uh but i'll just say this in a season that is about repentance in a season that is about forgiveness of sin and getting closer to god and your relationship with jesus as a christian during the Lenten season, this is duly needed in this time and wholly powerful, just powerful. Now, all of that being said, I think I want to do this. Um, I want to go with the funniest video that I saw this week, and it comes out of the funny Willis Nathan Wade uh, not really trial, it's just a hearing at this point to dismiss them from the case against Trump, or the case is, as is the case. I, I hinted at this earlier, but there's a point in time in this uh, hearing in which Nathan Wade is apparently frozen in time, and I want to know who did this. Did you go to a cabin with Miss Willis Ever. 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 I've been really trying, baby. Trying to hold back the feeling for so long. And if you feel like I feel, baby. No. You've never gone to a cabin with this. No. 
Oh, for those of you who are not watching, please go to the Rumble channel, rumble.com backslash critical thinking. Uh, but <laughs> oh, it's a thought bubble, and then there's Fanny Willis in all sorts of hilarious poses going through the mind of Nathan Wade. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh I needed that. But with all of that having been said, folks, it's a great time for us to remind you to also uh, find yourselves a pick-me-up over the weekend here. And that means going to our fine friends over at coffeebrandcoffee.com. That's right, coffeebrandcoffee.com, where they care about coffee. Really great, fresh roasted, small batched coffee, and then going directly to you. And quite literally nothing else. That's all they care about. And so I'm going to choose to do business with at least a business that doesn't even care about my politics, let alone values my politics or my belief system. I'm just going to do business with that because that actually seems to work out quite better than assuming that you know anything about a business that, you know, advertises on whatever platform and, well, actually behind your back hates you or to your face hates you. I'm just saying. So go to coffeebrandcoffee.com, enter the promo code CRITICALTHINKER at checkout for 10% off of your purchase of really good coffee. Go to coffeebrandcoffee.com, promo code CRITICALTHINKING, or CRITICALTHINKER, I should say, at checkout for 10% off of your purchase, whether that's coffee, tea, hot chocolate, whatever it might be for you, go there and enjoy. And with that, it is time for us to talk about the Federalist Papers. Are factions good? Federalist number 10 is titled The Union as a Safeguard Against Domestic Faction and Insurrection. And for the first time, we get James Madison as the author here. With his thoughts on kind of a continuation of the same subject that Hamilton dealt with in the essay that we talked about, Federalist Papers number 9, yesterday. So in this one, Madison is really attempting to have us ask and answer this question of how the Constitution is going to protect the liberty of citizens from the tyranny of the majority, because that's exactly the problem that we saw arise during the Articles of Confederation, is that the majority actually, the vast, well, not even the vast majority, the, the major majority had a basic tyranny over the smaller states, if you will, over the smaller populations. So keep that framework in mind as we go forward, right? That how is the Constitution going to protect the liberty of citizens from the tyranny of the majority? How? Well, this is exactly how the essay starts. And I want to highlight, and I did highlight, um, part of this. Madison says that among the numerous advantages promised by a well-constructed union, none deserves to be more accurately developed than its tendency to break and control the violence of faction. The friend of popular governments never finds himself so much alarmed for their character and fate as when he contemplates their propensity to this dangerous vice. He will not fail, therefore, to set a due value on any plan which, without violating the principles to which he is attached, provides a proper cure for it. The instability, injustice, and confusion introduced into 
the public councils have, in truth, been the mortal diseases under which popular governments have everywhere perished as they continue to be the favorite and fruitful topics from which the adversaries to liberty derive their most specious declamations. So, Madison believes that factions could be a killer to America, right? He believes in that very first part of the essay, what he is telling us is, hey, the violence and the dissension and the corruption and the dissolution of popular governments, meaning democracies or city-states or, you know, whether that's direct democracy or Republic of Rome or this or that throughout the history of humanity, it's always been the violence beget of factions that's become the problem and people got rid of democracy if you will or of you know these kind of public you know situations instead of just a monarchy or whatever have you they got rid of them because of these factions and because of the violence and the one-upsmanship and the majority just shoving things down the throat of the minority, basically no minority rights. And Madison believed that those factions could be a killer here in America too. And you notice that this word was also used in Federalist number 10, or Federalist number 9, excuse me, yesterday, right? This idea of factions. So I thought, well, let's do this. We need to understand what is meant by faction from these authors, right? Because defining terms, especially from back then compared to today, is vitally important. So thankfully for us, we get Madison telling us exactly what he means by faction. He says that by a faction, I understand a number of citizens, whether amounting to a majority or a minority of the whole, who are united and acute. Uh, acuted by the same common impulse of passion or of interest adverse to the rights of other citizens or to the permanent and aggregate interest of the community. So what he's saying is that factions are groups that might form, right, that have divergent interests from the common good, if you will, or from what is being bantied about by the union, right? So factions are bad. They're violent, right? That's what he's telling us in the definition is that they are bad. They also beget violence, as he noted in the very beginning of Federalist Paper number 10. So then the question has to be, how does somebody or how does society do something about factions. How do you control a faction? How do you make sure that it doesn't become violent? Or how do you just dissolve factions, right? What is Madison's proposal to deal with factions if they are such a threat to union here in America? Well, he also tells us that. And it's very simple. 
There are two methods of curing the mischiefs of faction. The one by removing its causes, the other by controlling its effects. So in other words, it's cause or effect. But as for causes, like if we're talking about causes, then we have to eliminate factions. We have to eliminate and thus eliminate liberty. We have to thus eliminate the thing that would cause the faction, right? That's really what they're talking about. But he continues to tell us as we go further and further into this about eliminating the cause. There are, again, two methods of removing the causes of faction. The one, by destroying the liberty which is essential to its existence. The other, by giving to every citizen the same opinions, the same passions, and the same interests. So, is that good? Is that where we want to go? Everybody's liberty gone because faction. Or, we all have to agree. We all have to have the same opinion. Newsflash, that's not going to happen. Not ever. No way. No how. No way, no how, right? That's just an impossibility of life. Not everybody's going to agree. So either you eliminate the freedom of speech and thus the, have the power to then make everybody think, act, and say the same thing, have the same opinion, or you do something else. What was Madison's solution then? If it's not to eliminate the causes of factions very clearly because to do so would be akin to saying that we're taking away as he puts it air because fire can happen when air is present the, you can't take away air because there's something that's bad that could happen down the road and i think this is also very valid to the rich eisens of the world you don't take away a potentially dangerous thing because it's potentially dangerous. It also has potentially important offensive needs and defensive needs, right? But Madison goes on to say the following. It could never be more truly said than of the first remedy that it was worse than the disease. Liberty is to faction what air is to fire, an ailment without which it instantly expires. But it could not be less folly to abolish liberty, which is essential to political life because it nourishes faction, than it would be to wish the annihilation of air, which is essential to animal life because it imparts, its, uh, it imparts to fire its destructive agency. Kind of what I said there, right? You, you, you really can't do that. You, you can't get rid of liberty because there are people who would want to maybe misuse it, Right? Simple as you don't get rid of air because air begets fire, but also it's really good for all sorts of things, as we know. Okay, but then what about the remedy of causes, right? Everybody needs to have the same opinion. Obviously, that's not going to work as we talked about before. But that leads Madison to telling us that if you have to limit the effects of factions, and how do you do that? Well, according to Madison, you do so by a Republican form of government that limits the ability of large factions to control the interests of smaller ones. And the Constitution provides for that, unlike the Articles of Confederacy. 
as he notes here. A republic, by which I mean a government in which the scheme of representation takes place, opens a different prospect and promises the cure for which we are seeking. Let us examine the points in which it varies from pure democracy, as we shall comprehend both the nature of the cure and the efficacy which it must derive from the union. Now, Madison goes on to tell us that if you take a look into the future, more factions is likely to be a really good thing in avoiding tyranny of the majority because there's less likely to be common interest in enough numbers to dictate that kind of way, right? So the power of the many over the power of the few, just, you know, I, I, I look at it from this perspective as well as, they're very well aware they were not in the majority. They were in the minority when they decided to foment the revolution, right? They were a faction. They're very well aware of the times in which they lived in the power of faction to do good as well as bad, but also the fact that the majority cannot rule the minority if you have liberty, and so he says the following here as we get towards the conclusion. The influence of factious leaders may kindle a flame within their particular states, but will be unable to spread a general conflagration through the other states. A religious sect may denigrate, degenerate into a political faction in a part of the Confederacy, but the variety of sects dispersed over the entire face of it must secure the national councils against any danger from that source. A rage for paper money, for an abolition of debts, for an equal division of property, or for any other improper or wicked project will be less apt to pervade the whole body of the Union than a particular member of it. In the same proportion as such a malady is more likely to taint a particular county or district than an entire state. That is to say, as you build layers, right, up the food chain, the more factions on the bottom level that you have, the less likely it is for them to rise to the top and have a majority tyranny. Now, I absolutely find it fascinating that they're arguing about this concept of the tyranny of the majority because I find it hard to argue that we don't have the absolute inverse going on here, that the minority has become the tyranny. And I don't know that Madison accounted for that in his time, which is interesting because he is, like I pointed out, well aware of the power of the minority when organized, when put together, and willing to take action, right? I think it's interesting that he didn't see that in this essay. He couldn't account for it because he and many others couldn't have foreseen the levels of bureaucracy, and this is what I really think here. He couldn't have seen this, couldn't have foreseen what was taking place or what would take place, right? The levels of bureaucracy and ignorance of the voting public that exists today because they also very clearly in the Federalist Papers, as we have already laid out, noted that for this to work, it must be a well-informed and well-stationed population that gets into the mix here for it to work. 
I don't know that we have all of that. They long held the belief that the populace would always want to and need to be well-informed. Is that the case today? I don't think so. The show wouldn't exist if that were the case, honestly. Yet, did the majority exercise anything over the vast minority that's using its levers of power, right? Over COVID. Here's a great example of this. The majority of people in the United States of America were not the COVID morons, the Corona bros and gals in the sports world or the people talking the loudest on Twitter. They were a very vocal group, yes, but a minority. Did the majority exercise tyranny, if you will, of live and let live or get the hell out of my way, let me live life as I choose? No. No, they did not. Most people didn't buy into the garbage that the bureaucrats were putting out there, right? But they, the majority, played along to get along with the minority because the minority held the power, literally, to say if you could go to work, own a business, go outside your home. What you could do if you did go outside of your home by the power of literally law in some, some places. But it happened because the inverse of this is true. When the minority gains power and exercises it over the majority as well, it can be equally as bad. And that's the point of well-informed and active citizenry. We don't have either one of those right now. So looking at this essay in today's terms, I believe that Madison got right was that factions can help eliminate tyranny of the majority, but he missed the ability of the majority to not care enough to populate the framework of government, right? They don't care enough anymore to be the people that take positions of within the bureaucracy, within the positions of liberty-based thought that those people don't populate the bureaucracies they don't turns out that madison and the federalist papers were living in a fantasy not a reality as it exists today could they have foreseen where our government would go no why because that was never their intention was to create massive bureaucracies they believed that if anything these types of things deserved to have been settled as local of a level as possible. And that's not what really took place. Instead, it was top-down, minority, expert managerial class rule over the majority. So at the end of all of this is to say this, either the tyranny of the majority or the tyranny of the minority over the majority, either one of them, it's not healthy for a society. And that's a sickness that we're dealing with today. So I'm not sure that the answer to, or the answer or the remedy, I should say, that factions, having many of them, having many varied interests and, and factions living at the smallest level and then layering upon everything, worked. I don't think the theory... I don't think the hypothesis here has worked 
when you put it to the experiment that is America. I find that this argument does not necessarily hold water, but I also believe the answer is not the cause, right, of factions. It's that the answer is it only works. This entire framework of America only works when you have a well-informed populace, a populace that is engaged in its civic life. And we don't have that. And, in, and this is what we get. These are the results of that. And how do you remedy away from that? I don't know what the answer is other than to have people start to become way more civilly engaged. Say, no, 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 no. Your insanity, your tranny madness, no. Right? Nah, we're good with not doing that in public schools. We're good with not uh, having literally pornography of any kind, heterosexual, homosexual, tranny, whatever, inside school libraries. Nah, no, just no. Are you putting erotic novels in school libraries? No, you're not. And that's the point. So I, I find this a Federalist paper to be the least compelling argument as we have continued down the road of the experiment of America. But at the time that this argument was being made, I think this was exactly the right argument for America. And with that, folks, I lead you with this. And I'm going to leave you with this. Bid you adieu for the weekend. Please be smart, be safe, be kind. Make sure you eat all of your meals. And as always, Matthew 547. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.